All right, we're rolling. All right. I've tried to start a conversation with Corey like <laughs> three times. Like, blah, 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 just start the, start the tape rolling. Not, not so, going to happen. We get together, and, you know, it's like we never – the conversation just continues. We never have to just start. It just goes. And so, so I yeah. told Mike, you got to start the tape, buddy. I'm not talking anymore until you start the tape. All right. Well, we're going to get rolling, so I'm going to hit the uh, intro music. Otherwise, we'll <laughs> we won't have I'll have to spend five <laughs> minutes putting it in later. Yeah, it's good to be with you, brother. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity, and we welcome you into this conversation. So the boy's getting older, and he had his formal last night for his junior year, and... um, they were out by Odessa, and of course he works in the morning. So we were gonna, oh, you need to come home right after. And yesterday I'm driving around like, who cares? It's one night, so we're like, all right, you can stay out till midnight, but <laughs> you got to get up for work in the morning. <laughs> so then, unbeknownst to me, because this is new, we never let him out that late. I've married a woman who refuses to go to bed until her son's home. So, <laughs> so I was almost sound asleep last night, and then all of a sudden the power went out, which wakes me up because you know the fan goes off and everything right, gets really right, silent. Yeah. So then I'm worrying about all of the meat in the freezer, and I can't go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, then the power comes back on. I'm almost asleep again. I roll over, and there's this bright LED light just shining in my face, and Kristen's got her phone on watching some movie i said why are you up it's 11 30 <laughs> she's like my boy's not home oh. so i realized uh that this is gonna involve some suffering on my part if we let him stay out there. Well, <laughs> welcome, no. to, welcome to the next phase of life yeah <laughs> you so, know i loved coming over here just now because i've got to tell everyone listening i it's it's saturday morning uh the sun has been up for just a little bit but I, I come over to Mike's house, and he's he's got this nice porch freshly done in front of his house, and he's visiting with a neighbor who's walking by. And you know, I, yesterday I was driving up from Southern Missouri, and I and I saw a family seated outside of their garage with some lawn chairs, just visiting. And I thought, you know, we've so much lost this art of just visiting and and not having a phone and not having any other tech. And you know, here we have all this tech to make the podcast go right. But it was just so mm-hmm. cool seeing Mike just visiting with a neighbor who was taking her walk, and Mike's enjoying the birds singing on this on this morning, sitting on the porch. Well, thanks to uh, our president and the last president and all the stimulus money. Uh, our neighbor a little while ago had uh, some people over working on her house, and they were putting in a bunch of rock and things. And I had brought in before uh, before the winter. I had brought in a bunch of topsoil and regraded away from our house um, because we were getting some water in the basement and everything. And it had settled over the years, and so we built that back up. And my my idea was to, we, we had a bunch of bushes pulled out. We we're going to put in some plastic down, and then just put some rocks in so to keep the, the dirt from eroding away. So my neighbor had some some guys over. They were doing the same thing, and I went over and got a deal with them. And they were going to come to our house next. And in the process of that, I told Krista, "We need to. We ought to instead of just putting rock on this big area out front, let's just build this brick patio where we can sit out front of the house." So I've been here. I don't know since oh five, uh, fifteen years or more. So she. Uh, so we did. They, they they did that for a little extra cost. And so I was able this morning, really for the first time since it was done a few weeks ago because the weather was nice, just go out and listen to the birds. And so I've lived here for 15 years or more, 
I met two neighbors today that I've never met before mm-hmm. in my life because one was walking by and he had three dogs, those little wiener dogs, you know, <laughs> right. that are like <laughs> 10 feet long and 18 feet wide, you know, their bellies dragging on the, uh, <laughs> on the ground, like udders or whatever, <laughs> just way overfed. Yeah. And he says, uh, I don't have any grandkids. So these are our, or I don't have any children. So these are our babies. Yeah. But we talked for a good 15 minutes mm. and, um, he said, asked me if my name was Wes. He'd already met my son. My son had talked to him over the fence. He lives directly behind us. We share a yard or a, a fence. So, so we talked, and then this other lady came by, and here's this is gonna this just feeds in marvelously to what was on my mind this morning when I woke up during COVID. One of our neighbors sent out a flyer to the entire block, and they said, "Hey, we're gonna have some people over outside in front of our house, you know, distanced, and we're, we've got a fire pit, and we're just gonna talk, and we'll have hot chocolate, you know, but we all stay away from apart from each other, just to build some community and feel like you belong somewhere." Mm. And unfortunately, Kristen and I both had COVID at the time, but I did go down and talk to them from the street and, and knocked on their door and ran back a ways. And I said, <laughs> let them know I really appreciated that effort and that we couldn't come because we didn't want to get anybody sick. But just how much that meant to know that there's people around us that are just like us. Yeah, You know, they have the same desires, the same longings. And I believe that each of us inside has this longing to belong to somebody, mm-hmm. to, to belong to something, to have a sense of community. We, we thrive off of interaction with each other, with, mm-hmm. like you said, using the art of conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how that feeds the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I was talking to my dental hygienist of all people this week. So I had to go to the dentist on my day off. That was, that was always a treat. So we were talking about the healthcare system and how sad it is that people get sick now and end up being quarantined and alone and have to sometimes pass alone without being around loved ones Mm -hmm. and how our, you know, how dark ages that is in the way we've, Mm -hmm. we've, we've stepped back hundreds of years in caring for the dying Mm-hmm. And we're not meant to be alone. I think there'd be a higher success of life if you didn't do that to people. Mm-hmm. I think that adds to their demise to be alone spiritually and mentally and physically isolated because we're created to belong, to belong. And, and we know we, we're created to belong with someone. Yeah. Our way back home, our, our, back our true home. home. So I was thinking today, um, it's crazy. I woke up this morning thinking of a story that I had come across a number of years ago. Um, Way back in, I think, the late 90s, uh, I was given a CD by a friend called Carried Along, and the artist was Andrew Peterson. Some of our listeners know about Andrew Peterson, fantastic storyteller, book writer, author of best-selling books, musician, but he really focuses on Jesus and his ministry and his music I quit listening to music when Rich Mullins died. Mm-hmm. I, I just because he was that um, he was that guy that just always focused on Jesus and his words and lyrics, and I felt it was so real. And when he died, no other artist could replace that for me. And so I just went, I just went silent on the music for years until I was handed that CD by Andrew Peterson, and he kind of picked up right where Rich left off. Mm, that's interesting. But he had this on that album. There was a guy named Gabe who sang some harmonies and played on it and helped write the songs. And I've known of him over the years. 
And I also became familiar with another artist named Andy Gillihorn, who lives in Nashville. His wife's Jill Phillips. They're both singer-songwriters. Um, <laughs> they, they call him Andy and the Andes. There's like three friends that are all named Andy, Andrew Peterson, and anyway. So one day, or one at one point in time, Andy Gillihorn and this other guy, Gabe, became, were friends and realized that as life was getting busy, they weren't seeing each other as much, and that relationship was important. And they knew if they weren't intentional that they weren't going to see each other. It's not going to happen, you know, on, on accident. So they started this thing. They actually lived pretty close to each other that once a week they would each walk towards each other's house and they'd meet in the middle. And when they met in the middle, they'd high five. <laughs> and sometimes they would just keep walking and that's all it was, but at least they saw each other <laughs> that day. <laughs> well, this went on and they started having a pretty good streak. The cool thing is uh, Andy Gillihorn has a journal of every time they did it on every day (laughs) and what happened if they said anything else kind of (laughs) so i didn't know this but i guess they had mentioned at one point it'd be cool if we somehow this made it like to the news before 10 years or whatever wouldn't that be cool and uh so this past year uh somehow this story got picked up by a national magazine and i believe it was in the washington post uh, newspaper national and after that Somehow the TV got a hold of it, and this story got on the CBS Morning Show, mm. uh, National. You know, it's one of those shows that's kind of positive, shows positive stories. Mm. But I did not know this part of the story that in the last couple of years, I could be off on the timeline, but it, recently Gabe got very sick, and there was something wrong uh, in his brain. I don't remember if it was a tumor or anything, but he got really sick, very sick, like in the hospital, didn't know mm. how, what was going to happen. And when he came out of this, he had lost memories and associations, and it was a real struggle. Like, he had to get to know his wife again and his children. And uh, after, I'll put a link to the story. It's so amazing. You guys can read it. But in the process of this, they picked up with the walking towards each other and high-fiving, and that motion and that thing brought, like, connected something to his past. Wow. And he felt that sense of belonging and acceptance and just uh, community with another person. And so this thing they'd started years ago, they had no idea, was this solid, the one solid thing in his life he could connect to because it was repeated so often on on such a frequent basis. And so I got up this morning and uh, I was thinking all about that uh, for whatever reason. And I got on uh, Facebook and was just looking at my news feed and there's, Andy Gillihorn, it says seven-year anniversary of the high five. Oh, my gosh, seven years. And so they made it to his wife's favorite news show before the 10-year mark. It actually took him (laughs) about six years to do it. Wow, wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. But that that goes to that sense of belonging and uh, feeling connected and, and wanting to be important to someone and also, I think, to have other people be important to you. I. I'm one of those guys, you know how people talk about relationships, you, you can have relationships that are a mile wide and 10 feet deep, or you can go 10 feet wide and a mile deep. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably somewhere in the middle, but I have a few people I'm close to, but I like to go really deep with those people. Yeah, I don't get into surface relationships. They just don't. I was just going to say, minister never, to me. We've never talked about sports. I don't think once. Uh, <laughs> no, no, maybe off the cuff. 
yeah. Ohio State's better than Michigan <laughs> once in a while, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't talked about sports. We've we've talked about things of eternity, probably, and that's what's always bound us together. And it's funny because when we get together, like today, there's no small talk. It's no. just like, what's going on in your life? So, Well, it's like it just continues, and that's what I enjoy about our friendship. So, Rich, you know, I have to mention that as I was getting out of the car and you were visiting with uh, the neighbor who was so pleasant and standing on the sidewalk as you were sitting on your, on your patio, um, and you mentioned something about smoking meat or grilling meat or something like that and how much you enjoy that. But, but you said these words to this effect that, but, um, I, I'd love to let you know when we're going to do it next time because it's so much better to share with people, you know, something to that right. effect. Right. And, and just that whole, that whole essence of life that, you know, uh, I don't know, just conversation and food and all that, that brings us together in, in a rich way when, when people are just humans with each other. And, you know, it's, I, I, I told you we got to start the tape because you said something else before we did. And, um, you know, our conversations are never scripted. We just, we just talk because we've, we've always had this friendship, but, uh, and where we, we can communicate with each other. But, um, so you said something about mansions and how that had come up in your study. And I said, start the tape, Mike. And it's like, they kept talking about like, start the tape. And it's because last night, um, I, I, yesterday was kind of a long work day. I mean, up at four in the morning and I was on the, on the road to drive to a customer 160 miles away, worked, 10 hours there, then drove back home. And I didn't get home till about 10 o'clock or so. And I was already tired, ready for bed. But this thought of mansions has been on my mind all day. And in fact, I was, I was voice texting notes as I was driving, thinking about this. And, um, you know, it starts with a promise that, uh, and so late last night after I got home, I was like ready to go to bed and it was t 10 and I ended up staying up till midnight writing stuff down about mansions and here I walk in huh. this morning and you're and you're wanting to talk about it and I want to like, talk about it yeah yeah, yeah. and I'm going to let you have uh, you start with where you're at uh, on what you want to share first but all I want to say is this isn't it a comforting thought you know in, in light of our, our conversation about conversations and, and humans and stuff that this lasting promise of the Savior that he shared in the Bible shortly before he was crucified and also shared in the Book of Mormon in a, in a beautiful way, and I hope we can touch on both of them, that his comforting promises, I'm going to make a place where we can be together, you know? And, and this, this is the mansions of my father, right? That the, that the promise starts with this togetherness, and that that is the essence <clears throat> of this. Like you talked about, you know, so well, people dying alone and people living their life alone and people separated from each other and all these things that have happened because of a fallen world. But... But the Savior's promise that it's all going to be repaired, you know, mm -hmm. and it's going to be repaired in a place that I'm making for for you. Well, we we had a small uh, a meeting with a small group of saints uh, this past week or so, and um, we were talking about uh, the, that scripture came up mansions. And I just want to say, uh, you know, as you and I talk about eternity and where we're all heading, and we're all heading back to the Father and to be with Him, I know that's a topic that's passionate with us because um, you know you and I both feel like. The, the traditional story in our faith we grew up in was kind of hijacked or, or, or moved off center quite a bit to portray something that we don't believe the scriptures actually teach. And so what's important is 
that dwelling place in the end that we're all headed for. And to some people, it's not a big deal because I think they have such a love relationship with Jesus. And in my mind, that's the most important thing in the world anyway, just wanting to be with him. And if that's your heart's desire, you're going to be with him. I I can say that Mm -hmm. faithfully and strongly Mm -hmm. based on the word of God. But for other people, um, they, they struggle with being accepted or, or am I good enough or things like that. And um, any thought process that there's many mansions in heaven based on how good you were or how faithfully you followed God or all of these things, um, we're all put together different. We all have different um, talents and we're raised by different parents in different places and we have different life experiences. There's only one God that knows our story intimately and he's the righteous judge. And so we can't measure up to each other. We, we just have to trust that he knows our heart and our desires. Yeah. And so all of that being said, there's mansions, many mansions there are. Jesus says something in the King James Version about mansions and that um, there's many mansions in heaven. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I believe this scripture has been misunderstood or misused uh, in many ways to talk about the fact that there's many places after we die based on, you know, maybe what, well, the, the church I go to twisted that scripture into saying, you know, you, you're building your own mansion based on your own merits and things. And that's yeah. just, that was put out by the, as the educational tool and missionary tool by the church to that, that point of view. So I just want to say that that scripture mansions doesn't mean what we think it does. And I wanted to dive into what it really does mean. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't mean what people have said it means. Exactly. Yeah. But I had another, just a, just this was going through my mind as well. Before we get right into the scripture, and I, I know we will, I promise we will, but just another thing, there is this wonderful place here in the metro area, and some people may know about it, some people don't, called Kansas Avenue. <laughs> this, was, this is too funny. Oh, my gosh. In Kansas, right? So it's just across, you know, for those of you that <clears throat> aren't in the area, we live in Independence, but basically Kansas City, Missouri, we're right next to, it intertwines. And you can drive 15 miles one way and you're in Kansas. We're right on the border, and this Kansas City uh, area, there's a Kansas City, Missouri, and a Kansas City, Kansas, and you really can't tell where one starts and one stops other than this river kind of runs through it, and, and you see the road sign, right? Mm-hmm. However, there is a little piece of heaven mm-hmm. <laughs> here in the middle of the country, and it's called Kansas <laughs> Avenue. It is a section of road in Kansas City, Kansas that has remarkable Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Not yeah. only that, but Mexican grocery stores. And so you told me about a place called El Polo Rey. Yeah. You all, you go into this restaurant. Corey, how many items are on the menu? Uh, maybe two. I think they've expanded over the years. To three. Maybe three. There's yeah. three. And it's and it's in English now. It never used to be. So, <laughs> right. So you can get, what, a whole chicken? Or half a chicken. That's number two is the half chicken, and <laughs> right. then number three is the chicken wings. Chicken wings, right. So you walk in, and there's this long, like, 15-foot grill over an open pit that's just, it's just chicken. just a charcoal grill with chicken roasting on it, and it's, it's like line out the door and there's smoke billing in the air and it fills the whole community and it's just like this is this is this is amazing 
the cool thing about it is, well, my wife and I went on a Saturday, and so we did have a 45-minute wait. So you get your chicken on a plate. You don't, you don't get to substitute anything. You get rice. You get beans. You get chicken. You get homemade corn tortillas, homemade salsa, and then you go enjoy it and make your own little street yeah. taco. Yeah. Hey, in fact, last time I was there, I took a picture. You can put that up. with. Okay. Too, Perfect. Right? <laughs> so Of 200 chickens grilling. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what did I enjoy about this experience? Well, I enjoyed the chicken, of course, and we ate on that for several days. I enjoyed watching people sit around on the inside and outside of this building. I enjoyed watching people walking up and down the street. It felt like you were at like a fair or something because it was so busy on a Saturday afternoon. And diagonally from this chicken place is this place called San Antonio Market. Mm Mm-hmm. And you go in there, and it's a big grocery store. They sell all kinds of peppers and homemade tortillas and Mexican spices, but they are also a place that you eat. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I was admitting a patient to home care on a Saturday, and I had a, it was a, a Spanish family, so we get an interpreter on the first visit to be there in person with us. So we went through our little admission process, and we walked out of the visit, and we're going back through the car, and I made some comment about it. So you got to come out and work on a Saturday? He goes, that's all right. It got me out of the house, and now I'm going to head out to San Antonio. I said, you going to Texas now? He goes, no. He goes, San Antonio's. He goes, you know San Antonio's? I said, no. He said, it's the best street tacos in the city. (laughs) So I thought, well, you're probably a reliable source. You would know. And he's telling me about this place. He says, they have a salsa bar, right? There's like 10 different kinds of salsa and there's the habanero sauce and all of these things. And so he tells me about this place and, and I said, well, have you ever ate at El Polo Reyes? He goes, it's right across the street. (laughs) (laughs) So then I realized I'd been to this place. So of course, what did we do on our day off today? We went to San Antonio's and got street tacos. You know, the interesting thing, Corey, there's like 10 different kinds of meats, right? Like you've got beef tongue, pig stomach, all this stuff that you never heard of. And then you've got your regular carne asada meat and beef and they didn't have chicken tacos they had they had chicken burritos and chicken quesadilla and i looked at my wife i said you think they got a little deal with el polo ray like hey we'll sell everything but chicken tacos because that's all you (laughs) sell right 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 i just thought that was kind of cute but Uh well hey i gotta tell you so i spent oh no go ahead you said but no i was gonna say this is my favorite part the food was awesome the salsas were awesome. Of course, I tried as many and as you I could. Didn't send me a picture, by the way. I was too enthralled with the food, <laughs> I man. I, I sent you a picture of the menu when I, I was done. Menu, but I mean, like you, you know us. It's, it's kind of like you know, it's like a knife and a fork and a napkin and a food picture. It's I know. Meal, right? I, I failed. Awesome yeah. fail. The my favorite part was when I walked into this place. There were white guys in business suits and ties. Yep. There was uh, street street construction workers, you know, with their orange and yellow vests. There was people speaking English. I saw people speaking not Spanish, but like um, probably Hindu or Burmese. Or there were Mexican. There was every walk of life, and everybody sitting down together, eating, enjoying this wonderful thing that people have created—the kingdom of heaven. Right? It's it, it is to me. <laughs> I feel. You know. I'm just saying. This sounds overstated, but at times like that, I feel closer to the Lord sometimes than I do in church. And, yeah. and I don't mean that no. as a knock on church. It's just, this is real life. And I just feel like if Jesus was here, especially watching the Chosen movie, he would be enjoying every minute of that. Talking that. to people, being among the people, eating good things that the Lord's created. They're making the tortillas by hand and throwing them on the... It was just a wonderful sense of belonging. I, and I it, love that. It all yeah. comes back to belonging 
in a place with other people in community. And so you take this thought and then say, what if the central thing isn't just wonderful Mexican food, which I really hope is going to be in heaven as well. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. to try food from all cultures, yeah. but seriously, having the presence of God be the, the center point of people coming together is going to take it up infinite level of notches to even this better sense of belonging one day. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I, 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 I just want to leave it at that. I was going to say my, um, if, if for some of the people locally who haven't been down into the Argentine district, as it's called, or even the Armordale neighborhood on Kansas Avenue, I uh, spent 21 years um, working on that street for a company. And what's interesting is that, um, you know, if you've never been there, don't don't picture going down to the Kansas City Plaza. This is not that neighborhood. No, right? it's working class. It's, it's factory. working class, right? It's it's a little neighborhood tucked in the shadow of some large factories. One of them, which I worked for, and and uh, it's a it's a largely Hispanic, but not completely, you know, neighborhood. But it's um, it's it's working class and maybe even a notch down below that. But it, I've always, you know, felt safe. I used to when I need my car work done, I'd I'd drop it off at the car repair place and then walk several blocks back to work and you know do that over the years but um but it's like you say it's this cross-section of life that um you just see in a situation that we shield ourselves from and that that the kingdom of god you know i love this description that comes in revelation later where it talks about the thousands and ten thousands who are are bowing down and worshiping in God. And, you know, they, they come from every cross-section of life. And that's this promise of Zion, in fact, where, where uh, you know, you, you paint this picture so well, Mike, in my mind of, you know, the guys in the vest and the guys in the suits and people not all speaking the same language. But Isaiah talks about, you know, the, the house of the Lord will be established in the mountains and the nations will flow unto it. You know, every every <clears throat> culture, every every difference. I mean, these these are all things that um, they they just they're they're part of the worship of God. You know, it's it's not just all white people in three piece suits who who happen to join a, a church by a particular name. You know, it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember years ago, my oldest daughter was seven or eight. She'd been baptized, I guess, but um. The only thing she really knew of church was this congregation and, you know, maybe going to camp. But one time the the World Church was having the uh, uh, the uh, conference that year. And, and uh, this was back when it was, yeah, you know, I don't know, I guess I haven't been to conference in quite a while. But anyhow, I just remember I took her to this opening night and she saw people from Africa and she saw people from China and she saw uh, people playing native drums for part of the music. She saw, uh, you know, people from all around the world in the flags and the color. And she said, I can't believe this is my church. You know, she'd never seen that before. And I just, I, I, I just love that bigger picture you paint for us, Mike, of this, this idea that, you know, it's the community, it's the sharing, it's the culture, it's a cross culture that God has for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Let's take all of that into <laughs> how do you transition? So we just do. We do. This scripture about Jesus talking to the disciples. Do you do you want to set this scenario up for us, Corey? Like it's placed in the in the scripture, like what's going on before and after? It's it's like John fourteen, I believe. Yeah. For those so, following along. So it's it starts there, but again, I guess like what we find. It's so important is we'll start there in the Bible, but we have to 
conclude with where the Book of Mormon takes it, which is even better um, to to set this up when Jesus shares. He shares this these words. I'll read them first. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Well, he says these words immediately following Peter's uh, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. And he states this emphatically. And then Jesus says, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to lay down my life for you. He even says, and Jesus says, Hey, before the cock crows three times, you're, you're before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times, you know? And it's just shortly before he goes to the cross where he makes this statement. Now, what's really interesting about this is that every thing Jesus does can fall into the Hebrew, the traditional Hebrew wedding ceremony, whether the Jews realize it or not. There's a part of the process when in in ancient Israel, if a man uh, proposed to a woman or was arranged anyhow, was going to marry her, at the engagement, they were legally betrothed. They They were considered one, even though they weren't formally married yet a lot different than today right today you you get engaged and you trade rings or or you get your uh the woman gets the engagement ring which is the big ring with the diamond yeah right right and but you're not considered married or the marriage isn't consummated until you go before the priest or the judge and sometimes that's a year or six months or two years later but you're saying we intend to come together as one right whereas it's different in the hebrew yeah and so i mean in 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 this uh promising it was sort of like that in that they weren't they weren't consummating their marriage yet what the groom was supposed to do is the the contract if you will was signed if if that they were going to be married and then he didn't see the the bride for a year, and his job was to go back to his father's home and build an addition on the home that would become their home. And it was only when that home was complete that then the bride came and they consummated their marriage. And and so this is all exactly where we're at with the Lord. You know, he signed his the contract in, in his blood, right? And and this is what he's saying. Hey, he said, don't worry, I'm coming back for you. Yeah, <clears throat> that's the first point. And when I looked this up a couple of years ago, I read some uh, Hebrew or some articles on that. It's not a separate dwelling place. It's not a, a separate piece of property. He actually built onto the same home. You were in the same spot, a separate separate room. A lean-to, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things to lay down just from a definition standpoint is the word mansions is translated in a way we think of, hey, driving down Ward Parkway in Kansas right. City. Right, I was right? going to ask you, what do you what comes to mind when I ask you, what's a mansion yeah, in the King's English? Yeah, what's a right, mansion? right. You know, you, you think of this place with multiple rooms and servants and broad ceilings and it's huge, state, right, huge. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that all could be well and good because, well, here, here's the thing, in the, in the Hebrew, um, the word mansion just meant abode. Also, I mean, and, and they took the word that meant abode or dwelling place. Dwelling place, and and it was 
it was translated into English in mansions, but it didn't necessarily mean that in in the Hebrew. But that's a little not really the point. Um, here's here's what's profound about this, and this gets back to everything that we've been talking about about salvation. This scripture, though, has been misunderstood, or it's been used to justify somehow having infinite levels of salvation, and there's just a lot of different places people go. It's not what the Scripture says in the Bible, and it's even more clear in the Book of Mormon. Here's here's what it says, in my Father's house are many mansions. This is what the the book, the Bible says. Now, that's the King James and inspired version. The um, other versions now have gone back to more of the actual Hebrew meaning. It says, "In my father's house are many rooms or many dwelling places." Yeah, and and this is this is why I think the Book of Mormon is just profound here. There's a so there's a statement, and if you look at John, there's there's a slight there's a little chiasm here. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Then he repeats, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. So he's talking about uh, going and preparing a place and preparing a place and returning. So you see a little chiasm within like two verses. Well, so this is why I stayed up late last night. If you search the word mansion or mansions in the Book of Mormon, you'll you'll come to the fifth chapter of Ether, and there's a it's it's always hard to talk chiasm, so I'm not going to even try it on the podcast. I'll, I'll make a link to it. We can we can look at it that way. And this is coming to a Sunday school class near you. It's just interesting <laughs> that this is our subject this morning. Um, but what Jesus what it's Moroni writing in the end of the Jaredite record. It's still in the Book of Ether, but it's Moroni's words. He makes this beautiful statement about the mansion and the house, but it's so much clearer here. Um, it's, he says this. Uh, this is verse 32. For after they had faith, he's talking about the disciples who, who had gone uh, before him. He said, after they had faith and did speak in thy name, thou didst show thyself unto them in great power. And I also remembered that thou said that thou hast prepared, now here's the wording, thou hast prepared a house for man, yea, even among the mansions of thy father. Now, here's what I want to draw out. He doesn't say, hey, there's, there's many mansions and you guys are going to many mansions. He's saying there's a, there's a single place for man. Now, don't picture anyone in your head, oh, God's going to cram us all into a one-room cabin or something like this. It isn't what it means. There's a, there's a deeper significance here is that it, it says it's a house for man among the mansions of thy father in the which man might have a more excellent hope. Wherefore, man must hope, or he cannot receive an inheritance in the place that thou hast prepared. What this man, is, so, I love that man must hope, or he cannot receive an inheritance. And that we talked about that theme in our congregation a couple of months ago—a perfect brightness of hope and what its purpose is. And so, hope really ties into knowing the Lord's. For me, hope ties into knowing the Lord's plan for me, what He's done, and why else would. Jesus tell the disciples, uh, he's been with them for three years or so. You imagine them just traveling on the road and all the conversations they have and talk about a spirit of belonging. There had to be a camaraderie there, the spirit of belonging, not only to each other, but that Jesus really made them feel at home. They all wanted to be around him and he knows he's leaving. And so 
he's comforting them and says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back and, and bring you to myself, right? I will, uh, you're not going to be alone, even though it may feel like that. That's a great promise and that gives us hope. But I don't want that hope to be confused with the fact that he's gone and prepared all of these places based on, on what you do here so that you, your thought process is, well, am I going to be with my friends? Am I going to be with my family? Am I going to be with God or Jesus or where, where, where? And so this is so much different language. There's a mansion, there's a room prepared for you among the mansions of my father, a house. A yeah. House. Yeah. And this, this idea that what he's saying is in this heavenly realm where our eyes haven't seen or ears heard, or the ideas even entered into our hearts yet. He said, I'm preparing eternity for man to dwell there, for you, for for this. And it's like we've we've taken this scripture incorrectly to say, oh, well, there's many mansions, so we all get these different estates, and some are better than others, and it's all based on your work. It's like, no, it's because when sin is removed, then those for whom sin is removed, we enter into this place where he's prepared, which is eternity with him. And that's what it means. And this is this is the when the the wedding is consummated, if you will, but it 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 comes back to earth. And here's here's the other part of this too is that you know we experience that in this life in that the whole promise is that God was preparing earth for His own abode to be with us, and and Satan was always fighting against it. You know that's that was every plan of Satan was to make it so that this wouldn't become God's abode, so everyone would reject Christ, so everyone would fight against it, and yet. He's he's saying no. The the abode is actually going to be here because my father's going to inhabit this world, and we're going to be part of that. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. You know, so there's some there's some figurative language in the mansions of my father that teaches us about eternity. In that the Book of Mormon is is clearly stating when it says, "Hey, there's a place for you." It's, it means for all humanity to to return you, to draw you back into this presence of the Father where we once were. But it's the marriage of this, uh, you know, the bride and the groom that's finally consummated when when we're back with the Father. That's that's what it means then to be one when we're finally joined. Yeah, I may have cut you off, or or maybe you said what you wanted to say about the the wedding and how the Hebrews or the probably the disciples didn't realize the, the similarity or what Jesus was um, coordinating or, or comparing when he's, but you said the marriage contract is signed where we sign the marriage after the ceremony, yeah. they're signed. And then the groom doesn't see the bride. He, he leaves and goes back to his father's house Mm-hmm. And he prepares a room or a dwelling place on that house for him and his bride to come live. Yes. And, and then when that's finished, he goes back to the bride and brings her home to him. And and that is that where the ceremony or the actual I right. guess we wouldn't call it the marriage. No, that, that, that is, is the marriage. That is the marriage. And and this is there's symbolism on every level in that the scriptures that we hear about um, the the one for instance that says, "Hey, the, um, the 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 virgins who had their oil ready, because they know not the hour the the bridegroom cometh." This meant that the the bride had no idea how far along the progress was in building the house, and and the groom wasn't 
it wasn't his job to even tell her. She just had to be ready for the day he arrives. And it could be at night or it could be whenever. But when the groom determines the house is ready, he's the one who makes the decision to come get the bride. And, and it's a total surprise to her. And it could be at night. And so the the people being ready with the oil were like, hey, we'll be ready because we never know when the groom's going to come and then it's going to be the wedding. And this is this whole promise of Jesus returning in his glory to consummate the marriage of the church. And this is why it's so ridiculous, this notion that we've always, we, we've kind of grown up with that, oh, well, Zion comes when we're just good enough because Genesis 9 says, hey, when men keep all my commandments, Zion will come to the earth. That's 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 telling the that's not telling the conditions where Zion won't come unless we keep the commandments. It's describing what life is going to be like when Zion comes. People will keep the commandments, but the point is this: the the bride being the church and the groom being Jesus, when they consummate their marriage, the symbol that's born out of the consummation is the kingdom. This is this kingdom of God on earth that's represented like a, a child. You know, in Revelation, this woman who's trying to give birth and this dragon's trying to kill the woman and the child before she can give birth. That's the church and that's the kingdom. But this this idea is that we can't just say, oh, well, Zion will be here. It's like we haven't consummated the relationship with the father yet. You know, it's like a, a woman wanting to have a child, you know, with no husband in a, in a sense that we've, we've taken that attitude right. almost as the church. It's like, no, <clears throat> the consummation doesn't occur until the marriage is complete. And right now the groom's still building the home. All right. Yeah. And another th- a thing I thought about one time about that scripture, there's been times in the history, at least from what, through the lens that we read and what's recorded that there was some pretty, Righteous generations. Yeah, uh, I think of King Benjamin's era where there was no poor among them, and then they, they pl- apply the atoning blood of Christ, and they repented and come unto Him. Well, why didn't Zion come down then, or the the golden age of the Nephites, or whatever? Exactly. After Christ appeared in America, and for two to three generations they were, you know, following the Lord and putting Him first, and and why didn't Zion come then? So there is this. That doesn't mean we don't keep the commandments. We, we seek the Father with all of our heart, and, and the gospel is, is everything in our life. But there's also a timetable where the groom is preparing a place to come and, and bring the bride to him. Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't know that this is why it's like the Scripture says we don't know the day or the hour because that was just like it was in the Hebrew wedding. The, the bride didn't right. know when she was going to return. She just had to be ready. And, and so it's like so the focus for the church needs to be and has always been the commission to – to be faithful, to be bearing fruit, you know, to be to be living a life, walking in the way, having to, your lamps trimmed with oil or the Holy Spirit within you, exactly dwelling within you, exactly. guiding you, right. in every in every day of our life. And it's like, you know, I think we've got stymied thinking, hey, we're supposed to build a kingdom, we don't know how to do it. It's like, read the scriptures, friends. It's like we're supposed to be bearing fruit in our lives, no matter what day and age right. we live in. And when the Lord returns. The, the point is we need to be of, of a people that have a, a relationship ready to consummate that marriage, if you will, that, um, that we've been faithful and that we've been obedient. And so, yeah, like you say, there's been many generations that have, quote, kept the commandments, but that didn't mean Zion came out of heaven. So when we've talked about the covenants and everything before, but I think this is very telling in that um, this, this whole idea of this house I've prepared for you doesn't say – 
from a salvation sense, what we've often told ourselves or how we've justified infinite levels of salvation because this isn't at all what it means. It's like, no, he says, a house for man in the mansions of my father, which, you know, mansions also could be, and I, I'm no Hebrew expert, but you know how we've talked about this idea of plural amplification where God's name was pluralized because it meant many qualities. Right. And they would add a, you know, pluralize it. I have a feeling in the sense that mansions is used for that same reason that, and I could be wrong. It's just my opinion because it's just trying to say it's more tremendous than anything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And you get to be a part of this, but, but we've, we've said something that isn't stated in the scripture that, Hey, there's many mansions and everyone's getting their own different mansions on their own merits. It's right, Building up your own mansion and palace. Yeah. It's like for sin, for humanity, when their sin is removed, all humanity whose sin is removed gets to return to this place he's prepared for us. The interesting thing, uh, you said in the real life Hebrew, the marriage and the whole betrothal and all of that, Jesus says that he'll send a comforter to us in that interim between the time that he leaves to prepare a place for us and comes back for us in the end that this comforter is sent and it's there to guide us to all truth. And we're told that it even gives us a confirmation and a promise that we'll be with him. And so you can imagine this lady waiting for her husband to prepare that place. And I wonder what maybe their love for each other is that earnest feeling that I know he's coming back. I yeah. have hope. He's, yeah. he's shown me this love. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And we have that comforter, that Holy Spirit, to bear witness that the bridegroom is coming back for us. He's going to bring us to himself. There's going to be a great celebration. We're going to be one. And that Holy Spirit is supposed is supposed to be the one bearing witness of him, not only of his presence and his love for us, but also knowing that we will be with him his again. Because that's it says. Yeah. It's, it's that Holy Spirit of promise. Yeah, yeah. And that's the... He, I believe he wants us to have that kind of interaction with the Holy Spirit because that's one of its purposes so that there is no doubt and that perfect brightness of hope keeps us in the way until he returns. Amen. Amen. That's so true. Here's a question. I don't know. So the marriage, when you have the marriage supper, the wine and everything, was that, I wonder if that was when they were engaged, betrothed, or was that the consummation point because you'd have to plan that right so you kind of have to know when the bridegroom was coming for you or i wonder how or was that just where you was that where they signed the contract that we are going to be together i i don't know i don't speak with any real detailed understanding or any authority at, at all but i i believe that there, the contract was signed um we we should probably read up on it before we say a whole lot but the, the contract was signed, and then, you know, it was as if they were married, but they weren't allowed to consummate the marriage until this home was prepared. But that's when I believe the, the celebration was. Gotcha. You know? yeah. yeah. We'll get back on that. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll read some more. And I know a lot of people have read more on that and talked more on it. But I, I just think that it's a beautiful symbol that, that this and, – and it's a clarification of notions that we have – been taught through just oral tradition in our generation, the church, that somehow that this idea of, oh, there's a house and many mansions, somehow is advocating multiple levels of salvation, when it, it's not that at all. It's it's this beautiful presentation of everything the Book of Mormon teaches that 
the whole point of humanity's separation was our sin that we couldn't do anything about. And the whole possibility of our return is the sin that only he could resolve through an infinite sacrifice for those who come to him. And so that's well, all throughout the Book of Mormon. Yeah. So you again what the Book of Mormon teaches it helps us, especially that that verse there that you read, really gives uh, a different just a little different picture than the one in the Bible where it mentions mansions. I'm curious, Corey, you have your Hebrew New Testament sitting mm-hmm. there. Have did you read this John fourteen in the no, Hebrew? No, I didn't, but I felt like I should Let's bring do it that. along. While you do that, I wanna while you find that scripture, I wanted to read this. I did some just a little research on this word mansions and um what this article says is that that mansion didn't mean heaven. It's not heaven's not mentioned in the whole chapter. So it says, "What is the Father's house?" And it said Jesus was speaking out of the context of the whole Old Testament revelation, in which the Lord's house or dwelling place is like it's this huge, huge idea, and it means the place where God's presence is manifest, um, like in the Psalms. God's house or dwelling is the temple in Jerusalem, but other times it refers to like his whole creation or the whole universe. And, and some Psalms describe God himself as our dwelling place. Mm, yeah. So the point is God's house or dwelling place is wherever God is, wherever his presence is evident and wherever his will is done. And Jesus assumes this uh, in his teaching that He's basically saying the meaning of John says there is plenty of room with God. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of room with God to mm-hmm. dwell for all of us, and I go to prepare a place for you. That's beautiful. This I'm glad you wanted me to share this because I hadn't even read it before we got talking. But this is from the Jewish New Testament translated by David Stern. And again, as we've mentioned before, you know, we don't have the original Hebrew of the New Testament. We have the Greek, but some people who have understood Greek and Hebrew have then taken the Greek to say, well, it probably said this in Hebrew, and then they've translated that back to English. So he states, John 14, verse 1, Trust in God and trust in me. In my Father's house are many places to live. So he doesn't even use the word mansions. House. Yep. In my Father's house are many places to live. But then he says this, "If, if there weren't, I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And so right there, that's, it's very clear language. Hey, you know, this God in heaven has this place, you know, and, and he said there's a lot to it, but he doesn't even use the word mansions. He just said in my father's house, there's a lot of places to live. I'm going to prepare a place for you, you know, and, and you being all humanity. And so, again, it's it's the clear clear language of the truth about salvation. Yeah, yeah, this— uh, says, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is assuring his apostles that in going away, like through his crucifixion and his death, he's accomplishing that next step in God's plan for his kingdom to come in fullness. That as Christ goes and he passes through death and, and then is resurrected, he is preparing uh, a way for us to return to the Father. Yeah, isn't that, Mike, just a, a stronger message than anything that we've ever told ourselves, you know, I've, I've got a lot to say about this. It's probably coming to a Sunday school class near you, but I've just realized that, you know, we, we've weakened the message of salvation by, by somehow implying that, well, it's, it's all of our works are going to segregate us 
uh, almost like, you know, um, this, well, it's the sum total of your sin and sum total of your works. There's this complex formula that you get spit out in the end, a glory reward number, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's multiple houses in heaven and God's made all these different houses and some of them are with him and some of them are not. It's like, We've, we've created this idea that doesn't exist in Scripture. The, the idea, it starts with a whole different concept that, no, it isn't that, well, your works and your sin add up to some reward level. The whole point is that there's no room for sin. Sin had to go to zero, and right now our sin couldn't have gone to zero. And if sin goes to zero, it, you know, it's it's by his merit first because, you know, he gave the power for the Holy Ghost to be present and everything, but, but through his blood— the sacrifice made it so that anyone who comes to him with a broken heart and contrite spirit can have the grace applied. And it's only through that then that sin has to go through zero, and that equals return to God. You know, that's the formula. Sin goes to zero equals restored to the presence of God. That's why little children have eternal life. Right. And, and, you know, these other conditions that the Book of Mormon already states, because when sin is zero, you get restored to God. And so this whole house he's prepared for us simply means, hey, this infinite eternal realm where God dwells is beyond anything you can understand. He said, and I'm going to make this opportunity for all you who couldn't be there to now return. Listen to this verse in Exodus 23, 20. It echoes um, God's word to Israel. I am going to send an angel in front of you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Mm. And it says, Jesus very self-consciously fulfilled the Old Testament promises concerning himself. Mm. He went to prepare a place for Israel, went before them, was crucified and and resurrected. Um, and that's interesting, too, because the whole Old Testament, I, I didn't want you to lose your thought, but I was going to say is, is the physical type for the spiritual lesson. Right. Israel was leaving slavery. Going to the promised land. Going to the promised land. And Jesus is uh, going to accomplish that step for us to go to the promise of salvation and the promised land with with God. Um, Here's a a couple more scriptures from John uh, 14. There's some allusions to home and dwelling. I go to prepare a place. I will come again and will take you to myself. My Father will love those who keep who love me and keep my commandments, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Yeah, yeah. I am going away, and I am coming to you. So he's explaining this unexplainable notion that um, <laughs> you can imagine the apostles' questions, and and it was Peter that, after all of this, Peter looks back, he goes, hey, I'm ready to go with you. I'm going to do it. And he's <laughs> like, Peter, you're going to deny me before the day's over. <laughs> right. right. So, But when you are ready to be with me, strengthen your brethren. I love that. It's yeah. that's tied so well into the sacrament message as they share the Lord's Supper. When you are strengthened, yeah. Or when you are you know converted fully to me, you know, strengthen your brethren. But right now you're not ready. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. Well hey, this is interesting. Um good talk as always, bud. <laughs> what does the Book of Mormon teach about Mexican food and mansions. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 what it is. Hey, a little just a little housekeeping. Uh, if you do head down to Kansas Avenue, if you're wanting homemade flour tortillas to bring back to your home, it's Ninfas, right? Ninfas, yeah, yeah. N i n f a apostrophe s. And Ninfa was the name of the mom. See, I I went to that restaurant when I don't when the mom and dad ran it, and the son 
was kind of just the busboy, and the son owns it. I don't think the mom's there anymore, but her name was Nympha. Nymph, and that was why we right. call that. And the awning, probably, it's red awning. You can't miss it. It looks like it's been through three tornadoes that need to be replaced 30 years ago, but the best homemade tortillas you'll ever Yeah, find. so you can you can eat there, but they also sell to-go flour tortillas. They just have yeah. them on a table, and yeah. I made the bad thing of grabbing the package myself. Like, <laughs> no, 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 don't touch. We get them for you because of COVID or whatever. Oh, right, I said, right, well, I'm yeah. going to take them home. All right. Yeah. But they're coming right off the press throwing them in this big metal bin yep. packaged up and home and and he says there's there's like three or four ingredients he says don't leave them on the counter you've got to put them in the refrigerator if if you're going to have them out for more than a week because yeah. they will and that's what i love is that just that homemade clean yep so that's the flour but if you're in for homemade corn tortillas you need to go down the road to arts to arts and they're closed on mondays <laughs> that made the drive uh, arts has the homemade corn and there's all kinds of taco sauce there with like three ingredients that they key in and everything. Wow, yeah, it's good. This is all within like three or four blocks, so you just right. you just drive down and you'll right. find it. Yeah, it's all good. So. Well, I hope uh, we've done a good community service for our <laughs> little community here. Add some calories to the listeners. Right. We've succeeded if people turn this off halfway through and run down and get some tacos <laughs> when they're listening. My stomach's growling already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I've enjoyed this this sense of belonging and. You said you heard me talking to my neighbor about um, when they're ready to get together. I love to smoke meat that we can share with the with the neighbors and things. But yeah. I, I got a it was a little self serving because she said she's just starting to raise bees out back. Oh my gosh! And so all I could picture was a little trade for some smoked pork for maybe a jar of honey. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, I saw your neighbor walking home with a smile on her face. Uh, so uh, as we all walk each other home, just let's keep smiling and thinking about this place. He has prepared for us. Amen. <laughs>